0: Well, our text this morning is just four words. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name. I'm going to read the whole prayer again in its context, so maybe you turn with me back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, page 811 in the Visitor's Bibles, and I'll read from verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hallowed be your name. I wonder if there are any words we ever pray that are more familiar than these four words and yet more deeply, deeply strange. Has Has it ever struck you what a strange thing to pray that is? How many of you got up this morning and prayed, Our Father in heaven, would bears continue to pee in the woods? Lord, please just make sure the Scottish rain feels really wet today. Just for a change, would we get to sing a Getty song in church this morning? I bet none of you felt the need to pray those things. And yet, day after day, we Christians pray as Jesus taught us. Some of us use the word. Some of us follow the pattern. Either way, we close our eyes and we speak to the holiest being in all reality, holiness himself, and we pray some variation on hallowed be thy name. And Jesus says that if you belong to him, if you're a Christian, then that request ought to be the very first thing on your heart and the very first thing on your lips. Isn't that strange? Petition number one of the Lord's Prayer, the very first request, and in it Jesus gives us three things, the weirdest of prayers, the faintest of growls, and the truest of purposes you could ever live for first then, the weirdest prayer. And I don't mean it's weird because of the language, although I'll grant you we don't often go around hallowing things today. To hallow something just means to make something holy and to keep something holy, to sanctify it, to set it apart as different, special. No, it's weird because of what it is that we're hallowing. God's name means more than the thing we call him. Your name in antiquity is a little piece of who you are. God's name in the Bible is what he graciously gives us so that we can know who he is. It's how we creatures can call on him, relate to him. His name is all that he has revealed about who he is and what he's like, his attributes, his titles, his character his amazing, loving, powerful works through history. God's name is him. So petition number one of the Lord's Prayer is about longing that God alone be praised, honoured, loved, and feared in our hearts and in every heart. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying, Father, would you be set apart from every created thing as holy and awesome and terrifying and deeply wonderful? Now, why on earth would we have to pray that? We're praying it about the holiest of all beings, someone who is so infinitely good that he literally cannot get any holier, any more set apart from his creation, So what does it tell us then that the first thing Jesus thinks we have to pray is hallowed be your name? It tells us we are not very good at recognizing reality. We are not very good at this thing called hallowing. In fact, as the catechism puts it, we are utterly unable and indisposed in ourselves to honor God aright, We live in a world that looks at some of the things the good God calls holy and we wrinkle our nose in disgust. Men, fathers leading in church and leading in the family, how disgusting that you should want that. It's barbaric, old-fashioned. Populating this world with little image bearers, having as many children as we reasonably can, To fill the earth with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. I'm sorry, but that is a deeply irresponsible way to live. That so called image of God, those children of yours, are an ugly scar on this world. Making more of them is climate vandalism. We live in a world that tries to pretend that the real standard of holiness is something human culture is progressively discovering. And that God is a relic of a wicked past. Someone to mock and ignore, not someone to fear. But if we live like that, however hard we try to believe it, we are living in a way that jars against the deepest facts of all reality. Just think about it for a moment. Remember what we saw about this God last time? He is the loving Father who sent his Son to die for wretched human beings, and bring them right into his family as his sons. That is who God is, deeply good. How utterly perverse and weird is it that we don't hallow his name, the God of love? It tells us there is something deeply wrong with our ability to perceive reality what does it really look like when you see a human being laugh at the good God or dishonor his name? It looks like walking into a house where the smell of freshly brewed coffee and baking bread is wafting right out of the kitchen, the most deeply, viscerally, wholesome smell you could imagine, and we hold our nose and try not to gag and then we come home and find the dog has pooed on the rug and trampled it through the house, and we go, mmm, delicious. Our tastes are utterly corrupt. They're perverted. Black is white. Adultery is love. Gender is a construct. God is wicked. We know best. And so every time we engage with our culture on those big issues of the day, we need to remember where Jesus started his prayer Fallen human beings are not very good at hallowing what is holy. They can't help it, and neither can we, but for the grace of God. The fact that God is holy seems like just another thing to us, doesn't it? Of the many, many things we say about him, maybe it is so obvious that it seems unimportant, or maybe because we belong so thoroughly to a grubby world, and we have grubby hands and grubby hearts. We just don't value his holiness as much as we value his mercy or his grace. But that holiness is one of the most fundamental truths that undergird the universe. If we could sneak into the heart of heaven right now, we would hear one constant and central theme filling the worship of the angels and the heart of every creature there, that God is holy. They were singing it all those millennia ago when Isaiah was given his glimpse of the throne room, six winged seraphs covering their faces before the Lord and crying it to one another. And they were still singing that same song centuries later when the apostle John was given his revelation as if to quote, The pastor, Paul Blackham, they dared not let that truth slip from their minds, even for a moment. God is holy. He is not grubby and corrupt and deceitful and like everything else we see. God is not a part of the mess. God is not a part of the problem. No, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is how central to reality His Holiness is. And so we open our prayer by putting everything we will ask back in line with that fundamental truth of the universe, joining the song that fills the heavens. Every time we pray like that, we're confessing that despite anything the world might say, the earth really is round, and bears really do pee in the woods. And God really is holy, and it is wonderful. Doesn't that radical holiness make his love in adopting us even more astonishing? And because he isn't part of the mess, the holy Lord Jesus was able to pull us right out of this dying age. It's wonderful. So we will bring him our prayers and our praise because in stark contrast to that holy God, we really are sinful and dependent, needy creatures. We need help to see reality properly, to love what is good and to honor it. The weirdest prayer, but we have to pray it because without his help, we are not very good at hallowing. And secondly, we're not very good at praying What would you have prayed for first if Jesus hadn't held you by the hand and walked you through it? I don't know about you, but I hardly ever pray a quick, urgent prayer that starts like this. Jesus gives us six petitions in total in this Lord's Prayer, and the first three start with God, not us. We start with thy, not my And my bet is that doesn't come naturally to any of us. So by reminding us right at the very beginning of God's holiness, Jesus is giving us the faintest growl. If you're a Narnia fan, you'll know what I mean already. There are moments throughout the stories when the people Aslan loves need to be reminded of who he really is. But it doesn't take much Think of that beautiful scene in Prince Caspian where only Lucy can see Aslan and he asks her why she didn't leave the others and follow him. And immediately Lucy begins to blame the other children, but from somewhere deep inside Aslan's body, writes Lewis, there came the faintest suggestion of a growl, just enough to remind her he really is a lion. And the next words out of her mouth were very, very different. I'm sorry. Well, isn't that what we hear every time we pray this first petition? A little quiet reminder that God is radically set apart from all of us and that he comes first. Let's just remind ourselves of the context of this Lord's Prayer. What is our natural way of praying? Up in verse 5. It is so tempting for all of our prayers to be about making a name for ourselves. Either we pray so that others will see us and hear us and admire us like they did, or we pray that God would make our name great, give us everything on our hearts. We are just curved inwards, aren't we? So that if Jesus didn't take me by the hand, my prayers would revolve around me from start to finish. But petition one of his prayer puts a little gentle handbrake on my natural selfishness. The first thing on any Christian's heart has to be God's name, not mine. The name he's given me to share, not the name I used to take such pride in. The faintest suggestion of a growl, as if he says, son... You're a part of my family now. Is that really what my children should be absorbed with? What are you about to ask? What's really on your heart? Is that really what someone who hallows the name of their father should desire? You see, God's true and perfect son came into the world, and at the heart of his manifesto was this Sermon on the Mount. All the values of his upside-down kingdom It turns the way we think back on its head. And at the very heart of this upside-down Sermon on the Mount is an upside-down prayer. But of course, God's true son, his natural son, he really did live his life that way up, the right way up. The first desire of his heart was this, Father, glorify your name. Everything Jesus ever did was born out of that desire that his self giving life would make his Father's grace and glory look truly wonderful. And so that has to be the first desire of every son, us adopted sons. It has to be for every child who truly loves the Father's name, that name must come before everything else, before our daily bread before even the forgiveness of our sins. Nothing matters more than the Father we love. And so finally, these four words from Jesus, the first thing we ask for, give us our truest purpose. This is why the world was made. This is why we have breath in our lungs, why the Lord plucked us out of darkness and death and carried us home so that we could know him as a holy and loving father and live as though it was true, make much of it. God the Father is seeking reverend worshippers, people who hallow his name, who glorify him and enjoy him forever. Because we know him as he truly is, and it is so wonderful that it reorientates our whole life There is no way for a human being to spend a life that is more authentic than hallowing the name of our Holy Father in heaven because it means living our life in line with reality. Because God is already the most glorious and holy being it's possible to imagine. We honor and praise his name simply by acknowledging what's true. We receive his gifts with joy. God has placed us in this amazing, wonderful creation, a temple to his goodness and love, filled with resources and friends and family and tables overflowing with food and wine to fill our bellies and rejoice our hearts. And when we bless him for that, it hallows his name. He's given us his patience and kindness Day after day, as he forgives our sin and bears with us in love. And when we bless his mercy and justice in giving the most precious gift of all to make that possible, we're hallowing his name. He has ordered all things in this cosmos, even though they seem so random and futile and chaotic. He's ordered it all for the good of those he loves to make us more like his son, slowly but surely and forever. And when we bless him for that providence and accept it from his hand, we are hallowing his name. It's why we're here on this earth. The most authentic person. The most authentic life that we could ever live. It feels so good to live the way we're made to live to praise someone worthy of love. Think how much joy it gives people just to stand in a stadium and cheer for their hero. Think how wonderful it can be to fall so deeply in love with someone that all you think about and all you want to talk about is them. It's wonderful, isn't it? And if those things are a joy and never a burden, how much more joyful is it to praise someone Infinitely worthy of it. You see, Jesus put this first of all because hallowing God's name is what gives purpose to the whole of our life. It's the thing that will ultimately make us the most fulfilled and human and joyful that it's possible to be because it's true. Freshly baked bread really does smell wonderful. And we really are hallowing someone infinitely good, of infinite worth, with infinite capacity to thrill and delight us. Someone who will never turn out to be too cheap and threadbare to hold every last hope of our hearts. And when we receive all those gifts of life in God's world or even worse, life under God's grace, and we don't respond with wonder and love and praise, that's when we're dishonouring the name of God. We're living in a way that denies the fundamental structures of creation, that all of this flows from a God who is separate and sacred and worthy of our worship. Well, how we pray really does reveal what we're really all about as a person, doesn't it? Who do we hallow? So many of us human beings live as though our ultimate purpose in this world somehow revolves around ourselves. But me hallowing me is delusional. It's as mad as walking into the most important interview in your life, a job you are way underqualified for, and saying, hello, my name is Captain Underpants and my head is made of broccoli. I can see you have a desperate need for me. I'm here to serve. A life that denies the way creation really works. But if you're a Christian, someone loved by this father right into his own family, then to see him dishonored like that in the world, in your own heart, that has to burn you up inside on a deep, fundamental level. Think of Paul when he visited Athens and he saw the idolatry and the delusion. It provoked him, it burned him up deep in his spirit. Because the honor of God's name was the thing he longed for, first and foremost. Ultimately, that's our motive in evangelism, isn't it? Like everything else. It's not primarily a ministry of love and mercy for our fellow human beings, although it is that, of course but primarily it's a mission of love and zeal for the name of our Father. We want to see him honored in the world. What does it mean then to start our prayers the way Jesus taught us? It means we long for our Father and him alone to be praised, honored, loved, and feared in our hearts and every heart. It means that when we pray, we deliberately align our hearts with His and get involved in His wonderful agenda for the world, the love and praise of His name. If God were truly given all the glory due to His name, then neither we nor any other human being would ever again think a single thought about Him without the deepest love and respect. We would never again speak a single word about him without the deepest love and respect. So we're praying that every rational heart in this world would be radically transformed. We're praying that Richard Dawkins would be struck dumb with fear at the knowledge of a holy God. We're praying that Kim Jong-un would fall on his knees, lost in wonder, love, and praise, and that for the rest of eternity, we would worship at his side as a brother. We're praying that God would help us adore and revere him with every thought in our heads and desire in our hearts and word on our lips and choice in our lifestyle. Life in God's world is full of choices. We made a hundred of them, didn't we, before breakfast this morning. Some this last week were completely insignificant. Some that we tried to justify by telling ourselves they were insignificant. Some that were huge and life-changing. How many of those choices did we make for the honor and glory of our Father in heaven? well, it's okay. Because he's your father, he isn't keeping score like some monstrous ogre. He loves you like a son, even when we are far too wrapped up in ourselves. But because he's a father like that, it matters even more. And so in love, he's given us another week, beginning today, filled with a thousand other choices, and a reminder from the Lord Jesus ringing in our ears, we were made and we were saved to hallow his name. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, gracious, holy, merciful, just, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we recognize that in ourselves we are utterly unable to worship you worthily or to give your name the honor it's due. And so we pray that by your spirit, your gospel would increasingly captivate our hearts. Would they burn to see your name acknowledged in this world as infinitely wonderful, infinitely worthy of our love and our fear, Father, help us with every thought, every desire, every word, every choice to lift high the goodness and grace of Jesus, your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.